Welcome to my podcast. My name is Douglas Lodmel. Of course, I am your asset protection attorney. And, um, I, you know, I'm deal, I deal every day with some very complicated stuff. Asset protection, law, trusts, lots of cases with clients with very sophisticated fact patterns. Um, and in all of my time and education and years of experience, there's one area where I honestly can say I've never felt comfortable. I've always been confused. And it's just an area that um, I think a lot of us, no matter how well educated we are, no matter how smart we are, um, we still feel confused. And the reason is, is that it's confusing. Um, it's not you and it's not me. It's just an, a confusing area. So today I've asked uh, a guest on and uh, I've invited Bill Borsma. Uh, to come on. I met Bill at a conference and we had our booths next to each other and we started talking and I said, hey, Bill, <laughs> you're a life insurance guy? Then please explain it to me. So over the next year or so, um, I actually got Bill to do some uh, analysis of my policies and I learned more from him in you know five phone calls uh, and, and looking at my policies than I did in an entire you know 20-year career of dealing with this subject. So, Bill, welcome to the podcast. I really appreciate having you on. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thanks a lot, Doug. So I want to jump right in and talk about, you know, just kind of recreate the conversations that we had over the years. Um, you know, life insurance is just ridiculously confusing. And the way I read it is that it's done that way on purpose. I mean, the life insurance companies, um, you know, every every policy is effectively a contract, and they go from standard contracts to custom drafted contracts. So, give give my listeners a little bit of a background and and uh, about you and why you actually do understand this stuff. Sure, I'd be I'd be happy to. Um, first of all, I'm a life insurance guy. There's not many people who will admit that nowadays. I'm not a financial planner, attorney, county uh, accountant, anything. I, I, I am a life insurance guy. Uh, 27 years in the industry in every uh, different aspect that you might imagine. Uh, and uh, for uh, quite a few years now, in fact, the most uh, recent iteration of my business I started in 2004 is uh, consulting. It's fee-based consulting, predominantly with the advisor, professional advisor community. The attorneys, the accountants, the trust officers, the family offices all over the country are bringing me in um, not to sell anything, but to figure out what they got. Uh, and I'm usually brought in uh, when the wheels have fallen off and uh, I'm there to pick up the pieces. Um, and, and it's largely because of what you said, Doug, uh, doesn't matter who you are. Uh, this stuff, uh, I mean, it's not rocket science um, because I'm not a rocket scientist. It feels That's like not, rocket I, science. I, I, when, you're not, when, you, when you don't understand it, I swear it feels like rocket science. Yes, that's what I was going to say. It might as well be, okay? Uh, if, you don't, if you don't understand it and you haven't lived in it and, you, and, and breathed it, then there is really, and I'll go as far to say is there is no hope for you to be able to figure this out on your own. And uh, around the country, I deal with some very sophisticated, very smart people, uh, and they're in the same boat. I mean, I, I even have clients who are on the Forbes billionaire list who ha are surrounded by uh, very sophisticated financial teams who have no understanding of what's going on and have been snowed uh, by, by some of this. Right. 
And and you said something when we first started that really resonated with me, which was life insurance is for death benefit. Can you talk a little bit about that and and the distinction between seeing life insurance as a as a hey I die here's some money versus an investment product? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And there's there's definitely going to be different philosophical takes in the market about what life insurance is for. But I'm going to always be a strong proponent that it is first and foremost a uh, a tax favored asset for uh, death benefit purposes. Whether we're talking about simple term insurance to cover uh, income, buy, sells, debt, uh, you you name it, uh, or permanent uh, policies that are intended to last lifelong for uh, estate tax liquidity, charitable planning, or or what have you. Um, there, there are a significant number of people in the market who do uh, sell uh, permanent cash value life insurance policies for the, uh, the cash value accumulation. And I'm, I'm never going to say that that's inappropriate. I am just going to say that you'd better understand what, how it really works and what you're really getting. Because most people uh, that I get in front of um, never, never truly understood. And if they did, they probably wouldn't have taken the leap. Right. Okay. So that's kind of the point, right? If you really understood, you probably wouldn't have bought it. Um, and, and so to some degree, it's really uh, a factor of, you know, how good an insurance salesman you had at the point that you bought it, um, how well they understood the market, how, uh, for lack of a, a more politically correct way to say it, how greedy they were in, you know, and getting commissions from you. Um, it, really determine what kind of product you ended up with. Um, so there's a lot of products out there that are just, you know, incredibly heavy with commissions on the front end, and, and they take years and years to ever even catch up to where you really started. There's others that are really not so bad, and yes, there's commissions, but, you know, you, you can catch up and you end up with a decent rate of return. Um, and, and so let's talk a little bit about my policy, because I had you analyze mm-hmm. my policy. Mine was a, uh, a Northwestern Mutual Blended policy. What that meant is that there's a portion of it that was a term and there was a portion of it that was whole life. And I want to first start with the positive benefits that this had for me. Um, I got it 20 years ago. I was new in practice. I was young. I did it because the advisors that were in the same group of uh, that I was in said, Doug, you should have this. And I just did it. It I looked up 20 years later and I had literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in there. And so it just as a forced savings was an incredibly impactful, beneficial thing. So, so I'm glad I did it. It, it probably I would never have saved that money. So mm-hmm. that was a huge upside for me. But then now I'm 50. I'm looking at it. Um, the premiums are still very large. I mean, I'm putting a lot of money in this thing every month and saying, "Wow, I'm much more sophisticated now. I actually know how to manage my money much better than I did 20 years ago." Is this still the right place to be putting this much money every year in? And so you and I did an analysis, and um, ultimately, you know, we answered the question. Um, can you talk about that and and what you go through in that, and how you help? a client like me understand what he has and how to make a good decision about whether to keep it or, or to replace it? Yeah, sure. And, and first, it needs to be understood that that none of this is about slamming uh, a particular life insurance company or a product or a strategy right. because I'm fond of saying there's there's no such thing as, as bad life insurance, but there is life insurance done badly. Um, and, and I'm also going to be or remain uh, agnostic relative to what, you know, quote, good means. 
Because right. if I came to you, Doug, and all of your money was in a um, in a CD earning you know one and a half percent, and I brought you something that earned three, you'd think that's great. But if you were the kind of guy who uh, had his assets working, you know, for him at eight to ten percent on a regular basis, and I brought you something at three, you're going to say that that's uh, not not very attractive. So this is this is something that's very particular to the individual the individual that we're um, that we're talking to, right and, right? and what we're really trying to accomplish. Okay. Um, now I just got off track a little bit and forgot exactly the question that she asked. <laughs> so me. you're going to relative so, to your situation. Yeah, relative to, so, so when we went about the analysis, you asked for the policies. You asked for a couple of enforced yep. illustrations, which I had to call up and have them uh, you create and send to you. And then you did an yep. analysis in effect to say, okay, Doug, here's what you have. Here, here's 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 what you can do with it. You can keep it. You could cash it in. You could convert it to something else, and, and that process right there, um, which I never could have got through on my own, yeah. even knowing what to enforce illustrations to ask for, I'd, or what to do with them once I got them. Exactly, I and I think if if I recall, I may have actually typed all that up and said, "Okay, this is what you take to your you agent did. or yeah, home you office." You just gave it to me, and, and I sent it this. to them, and they and they sent us what you asked for. Exactly. So so what I'm doing is is one of the things I'm trying to do is take some of the mystery. Uh, uh, or the black box nature of life insurance, you know, off, off the table when we're going through this process. Because fundamentally, life insurance is a dollars in, dollars out financial transaction like everything else in the world. Um, you know, there, there's clearly some unique uh, uh, aspects and attributes of it, but I think people try to make it a little bit more complicated than it, than it really is. So, so once I got these enforced illustrations, you know, I have a, a, a way that I look at them to um, calculate uh, use of money or internal rate of return on these um, policies uh, uh, moving forward. So I can help boil it down to this is what you have and this is what you're getting for it. And this is the number. This is the hard and fast number. There's no smoke and mirrors. There's no posturing. It's very black in white. That's what I'm in the business of doing. In fact, the tagline for my company is objective information drives informed decisions. That's all I claim to do. Bring the information to the table to help you, Doug Lodmel, make an informed decision about your policy. And, and it's my goal not to teach you everything you need to know, but get you to a point where you can be a, a partner in the decision-making process. Okay, that you understand it enough that you're not just taking what I say as face value at face value, but you're a partner in the decision making process. And and in your policy, the one of the things that you had done, which was uh, uh, sold to you, this 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 was what was brought to you way back at the beginning is really kind of the point of the policy, is you can accumulate all this cash value and then it's accessible to you uh, through uh, through withdrawals or or loans in the future. And uh, ultimately, you did, you did precisely that. What we found out is that, well, you had a very seasoned policy, and it was a good Northwestern Mutual uh, whole life uh, blended policy. It also had some uh, pretty significant uh, loans out on it. Not inappropriately at all, but it had, it had loans on it. Right. And you know, I asked you some questions, and you really did not have uh, an intention, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, of paying back those loans. Right. So, um, so for me, it was just money and I wanted to use the yep. money. So I, I wanted to use it for whatever I wanted to use it for. And so I started pulling it out. What that effectively did, though, was 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 kind of gut the effectiveness of the policy the way I understood it, because they were charging me eight percent 
and I was only earning 6% at, at best. It was probably only earning 4% actually was what we figured out at the end. And so I was paying money to keep those loans. So, um, so, so yeah, carry on. Well, and then, and, but way back at the beginning when you did this, when it was sold to you or maybe even when you pulled the money out, you conceivably never actually had under the assumptions, you know, at that time to, to pay that money back. The policy could have serviced that loan uh, indefinitely. Right. And, and effectively that, that, that loan is paid off out of uh, death benefits someday. But what's very, very important for people to understand is that whole life is not the old fashioned guaranteed product it was in yesteryear. Uh, and I'm gonna call the old days like pre-1970s, uh, pre where everything was fixed. You knew what your premium, cash value, death benefit was every single year until age 100 just by looking at a rate book, okay, and pulling out your slide rule. But come the 1970s and the advent of the computer, everything became modeled. And it became modeled based on current assumptions, right. current crediting rates, current mortality costs, current overhead expenses, and the the premiums and the structure of everything was based on what was in effect at that at that point. Now you you remember what the interest rate markets were back in the uh, early eighties, right? right? Right, Doug. Yep. They were they were through the roof. Yep. So even a conservative, you know, whole life Northwestern mutual policy in the mid nineties or mid eighties peaked at eleven and a quarter percent dividend. Uh, you know, Mass Mutual, New York Life, uh, Guardian—they were all—they were all the same. Some up to 13%. Well, when you when you take out a policy based on those assumptions, um, what you're purported to have to put into it, and uh, how that that loan could be serviced at 8% is very different than if those 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 crediting rates came down. And since you went into the policy, and since you took out those loans crediting rates have come down dramatically because they're largely a factor of the fixed interest rate markets. And where, where are fixed interest rates today, Doug? Right. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're as low as they've been in, in, in our modern history. I mean, they're, and they continue to keep getting pressed down. I mean, we're 35 years into a decreasing interest rate market, right? right. And that's in, in mortgages, bonds, and everything. So if the life insurance portfolios are built around bonds and mortgages, and those have been coming down, when the old higher rate ones fall off the books, they're replaced by newer lower rate ones. And so it just keeps on coming. To, I mean, even if we bottomed out today and it started going up, um, which I'm not counting on because the government seems to have a fascination with keeping the rates in the basement, no matter <laughs> what. No happens. matter what. Yep. Um, the, it's going to take years for these things to rebound and, 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 and uh, be reflected in any, any kind of an increasing dividend rate. So if you, if you bought a policy, Doug, I'll just use some round numbers, with a 10% crediting and an 8% loan rate, that's very different than if you had 6% crediting through a dividend and an 8% loan rate. You've or, got a, you've got a reversal. And an 8% loan rate. Well, exactly. And when we did the work on your policy, Northwest, and this isn't a criticism, it's just a fact, Northwestern Mutual's dividend was 4.9%. Right. And then what's very, very important to understand is that the dividend rate isn't actually what you earn on the money going into the policy. You have overhead expenses, you have mortality charges, you have everything that comes, that comes out of it. It's no different than, you know, uh, uh, financial planning. If your investment earns X, but you have a management fee, your net return is actually less than that. We all, we all understand that. So the dividend might be indicative of something, but that's not what you're actually earning on all, all of your, your money and your premiums. It's, it's something significantly, lower than that and and for you we realize that 
you know, we, we, we came up to what that number was, which was about 4%. But beyond that, we also determined that you had to start paying in uh, real money to maintain that loan and loan interest. And the policy was not going to service itself. And you decided that's just not where I'm interested in putting my money. So we decided to make some changes. Right. And so, so for me, the huge benefit and the reason I wanted to share this with my clients, because I know there's a lot of clients, I, I talk to them often, that are in the same boat. They have these policies. They don't fully understand them. They, they've probably done just what they did for me, which caused them to save more than they would have saved. So they've been huge benefits. But now they just don't know whether to keep them going or to stop paying. So what you did for me is you boiled it down to a math problem that I could absolutely understand. And what that really netted out to was I still wanted some insurance coverage, some death benefit. So uh, what we ended up doing is replacing my death benefit with the same amount of death benefit for the period of time that I actually need it. And for the cost of a monthly premium, I, I now have an annual premium that gives me the same death benefit. And that almost six figures of money that was going in annually for me into these policies now can be redeployed into other investments that I actually um, have a chance of earning much better than 4% on. So that math problem just worked out. So I still have my insurance at, at a fraction of the cost, and I now have that money available to me to do what I want. I don't have any loans that I have to service because the policy basically cashed those all out. Um, so all in all, it was just kind of a net cleaning up of everything, um, and yet I still got what I needed, which is death benefit, and now I have a, a very clean slate, which I can deploy capital to a direction with, with more flexibility and more control. And that's what I wanted. And 20 years ago, I, I maybe didn't need it as much, but today I, I do need it. I, I know what I want to invest in, and so I want to have the capacity to do it directly instead of relying on the insurance company. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. What I want people to understand is that, just like you've already said, making a change today doesn't mean anything about you know, the, your decisions in the past. It was a good decision in the past. It really you. was. It was a great okay. decision for me. But at, a, at, at one point, you also, you know, uh, uh, bought a minivan. And, you know, maybe now you're not uh, as interested in, you know, uh, a, a, a minivan. You right. know, uh, things change over time. Okay. And uh, you have to look at the situation and judge it based on where you are now and what you need moving forward. And you decided that your needs changed moving forward. And that's fine. Now, the next person might decide that, uh, no, this policy is still what I need. That's fine. But it is critically important to have a third-party objective analysis of what's in force because let's take your example, Doug. Let's say you and I never met. Okay, and then let's assume that you never paid any attention to your your policy, uh, which unfortunately is more often than the case than than not, uh, at least in the situations I'm involved in. And uh, you didn't pay the premium. You didn't pay the well. The policy was paying the premium itself. You weren't paying any loan interest out of pocket. Well, ultimately, that loan would have grown to a point where it would have resulted in what I what I call the insurance equivalent of a margin call. It, it would have forced you to start paying very large dollars into the policy to keep it from collapsing. And um, people say, well, you know, if that happened, I'll just let the policy go. But what people don't understand is that these loans 
can grow in yours is already six figures and could easily grow to seven figures. I've seen policy loans that are eight figures. And oh, by the way, these policy loans aren't always because you pulled money out of the contract like you did, Doug. There are many people with policy loans who have never taken a dollar of money out of the contract. These policy loans are internally created because of how the policy is managed. And uh, we can get to that if you want to, but it wow. might be a separate, separate conversation. Yeah. But the point is, let's say that you got to that point and all of a sudden you, you, know, you had to pay $100,000 a year to keep the policy from lapsing between your loans and uh, your loan interest and your premiums. And you say, well, even if I have the money, Bill, I have no interest in, in, in doing that. I said, okay, well, that policy is otherwise going to lapse. Okay, let it lapse. Well, what happens is that all of these loans become taxed as phantom income. Well, t well what happens right. is the loan is, quote, forgiven. Yep. And under the IR, uh, Internal Revenue Code, forgiven debt is taxed as ordinary income. But it's phantom income because it's a extinguishment of a loan. And so you're paying ordinary rates on you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars of phantom gain. And uh, any cash value that may be left in that policy is probably going to be eaten up paying, paying those taxes, plus you'll owe more after that. So, I mean, I'm not trying to scare people. I'm just saying this is what I see in real life coming across my desk where people don't understand these, they don't manage them, they don't pay attention to them, and all of a sudden, it becomes the most pressing issue in their lives because they have to make some very difficult decisions. And I have actually seen somebody entirely bankrupted, meaning their tax liability on a collapsing policy is greater than their entire net worth. Well, and this is why it's so important. And, and so I felt lucky that we met. Um, I felt lucky that it kind of caught my policy it, when it was still had value, it, it, we still had these choices to make, um, and and so you know it was just a huge benefit to me. I really appreciated your your just your very analytical style. I think everybody can tell from the way you speak that there's not any judgment here. You know, there's not good and bad and right and wrong. Um, it's the way I see the world. There's just not. There's things that work and there's things that don't work. There's things that work at a certain time in life and then they quit working. Um, and that's that's what you helped me do in an area that was really out of my wheelhouse, was complicated for me to understand. And every time I would ask somebody about it, I, I wouldn't get um, – I certainly didn't have them say, oh, great, well, let me do the analysis for you. Um, it was always just generic answers. Um, I get this question a lot from my clients. It's the one area where I usually say, gosh, I mean, if there's any area that I'm as lost as you are, it's insurance. But now I actually have been I've been handing your number out and saying, well, I don't understand it, but I found somebody who did. So so, you know, that has been a huge benefit to me. If you're listening to this and at anything triggers you, I would just recommend give Bill a call, have a conversation and see if it makes sense to do an analysis. Um, Bill, what does that look like if somebody wants to call you um, and, and do an analysis? How does that process work for them? Well, uh, every situation is 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 very uh, unique. Uh, I'm not trying to dodge the question here, but most of my work is fee based. Uh, although what I'll do is I'll take a look at the uh, at the project at hand and estimate how many hours I'll have into it, and then do a a, a project estimate. You know, a, a cap not to exceed. Um, uh, but there are other ways that I that I work with people because I've kind of determined that uh, you know I'm not 
there's really no value I'm bringing to the market by saying by saying no to somebody. Um, so uh, uh, again, a majority of the time, it's a fee-based uh, analysis. So I'm there not trying to sell anybody anything in order to make my buck. Of course, I do need to get paid, but it's, it's, it's through fees. But there is some flexibility in how I can work with clients and their advisors. Right. And, and, I, then, and I like fee-based yep. because I want you to stay neutral. I don't want you to, to, yep. to have an interest to replace my policy. That's not my goal. My goal is give me a exactly. very clear, honest reading. Here's I'm paying you for an analysis. Um, and then, you know, if the analysis uh, results in a, a determination of a change, great. Now I'm free to go make that change. So I like it, um, and I think I think it's a great way to, to run this particular model particularly. Mm-hmm. No, ab absolutely, and that's the way a vast majority of my work does. Uh, you know, an engagement agreement, I get authorization signed, I gather the information, I put, to, put it together. You know, after I've learned about the, 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 the client and, and their goals, uh, you know, some of them are going to be very, very simple analysis. Some of them are going to be very, very uh, uh, complex. Right. So, so you'll, give, um, you'll give the client a, a, a clear fee estimate not to exceed once you just understand the policy complications. And, and, and what, get, just give me a range or give, give the listener a range of what those fees run from so that they know. Well, yeah, that that's a, I mean, in the last year, I, I mean, I, I've had situations that are, are, you know, literally $500 or even professional courtesy, because basically somebody is asking me for a knee jerk reaction. And they, I've spent so little time on it, I don't even charge them for it, up to um, uh, six figure fees for, for exceedingly in, uh, uh, involved in complicated cases. But when we're talking about a policy or two and doing your bread and butter uh, analysis, uh, you know, what do you got? Uh, you know, where's it going? What are your options? Making sure that I gotten to a point where you really understand it. Most of those entry level ones are fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollars. Uh, uh, you know, for for that, but uh, it can be up or down from there depending on what somebody is looking for. Okay, perfect. That's great. And and if somebody wants to get a hold of you and talk about this, how do they reach you? Uh, the best is my, uh, is my office number, which is 616-456-1000, 616-456-1000. Uh, that goes straight to my assistant, Zabina, and uh, she controls uh, all of that, uh, the phone calls and the, uh, and the uh, uh, scheduling. And then I have multiple websites, but the one website that people would probably want to go to and could link to my other ones is uh, oc-lic.com oc as in oscar charlie dash lic as in life insurance consulting dot com perfect okay great well bill i i already have a bunch more questions for you and a whole nother subject but i think we're going to have to have it wait because i'm trying to keep these podcasts very tight um if you if this has been helpful to you please just write me back an email say doug that was really good i'd love to hear more from bill um, let me know if this is an interest. I know there's another area I'm getting a lot of questions on, Bill. I'll just put it in your ear and we can save it for next time. Uh, but this infinite banking and using whole life as your family bank concept, I'm hearing a lot of this from a lot of different people. So maybe we can do that on another podcast. Um, if, if that's something that listeners, if you're hearing me and you say, yeah, you want that, um, email me back and tell me, yeah, I want to see Bill talk about that and we'll get him back on here. Bill, thank you. Yes. This was really helpful. I really appreciate you coming on. All right. I, I do appreciate it, Doug. And I would, I would make sure people understand that 
I don't need to get paid for people to talk to me. I do, I, I really get pretty involved in situations without ever talking about, you know, engagement agreements or getting paid. So my goal is to be a resource. Pick up the phone, start asking questions. We'll see if there's something I can do to help. Oh, I appreciate that. And I know they, my clients will. Um, so you heard him. Call him. He's not going to charge you for that first call um, or, or maybe even beyond that um, because, you know, get the right information. It certainly helped me in my decision. Thank you all for listening, and my name is Douglas Lodmel, your asset protection attorney. And remember, it's your money. Act like it. We'll see you next time.